So this morning, we're going to jump into Scripture right off the bat, and I, and I almost don't need to put this passage on the screen. Uh, a lot of you wouldn't even need to open up your Bible and follow along with me, because you, if you grew up, you know, attending church, maybe going to Sunday school, this is one of the first passages that you had memorized. Uh, even if you're pretty much only maybe an Easter Sunday, Christmas Eve, and a few other Sundays a year church attender, uh, you're super familiar with this passage of Scripture. And even people who have never been to church or cracked open a Bible have heard it. That's how uh, prevalent this Scripture passage is. Today we're going to look together at the 23rd Psalm. Psalm 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this morning, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the stress of rest. And you might say, well, that doesn't make sense. You know, shouldn't, shouldn't that be the... the, the rest from stress, you know, isn't that the direction we're going? Uh, there's a tension in this uh, theme, but it's the stress of rest. And anyone who doesn't understand the stress of rest has never gone on vacation with small children, okay? Uh, you get back from the vacation and you need another one, right? Because you didn't take a vacation, you took a trip. There's a big difference there. Uh, and here's the thing, right when you finally get to the point of acknowledging that I need to be more intentional about this area of my life, I've been listening to this series called Pause, uh, understanding the need for Sabbath in our lives and why it's important, and you finally get to the point where you commit, right? Where you make the decision, I'm going to stop talking and I'm actually going to do this. How many of you know that's exactly when someone is going to drop a pile of stress on you? Right then when we make that decision, here comes a load of stress. I, need, I really need to start checking my calendar uh, before I start preaching a series like this. Uh, because right when I started preaching this series on pause, on rest, the chaos of my life suddenly started to intensify. Like all the stuff that I'm dealing with, all the different areas of my life, it's like every circle of my life, everything just started to get weighing down. And that could be a coincidence, but it also could be because the enemy doesn't want me to experience God's rest. And he's trying to distract me, he's trying to weigh me down, he's trying to overload me, get me to the point where I say, well, now is not the right time. I can't separate, I can't pull back, I can't rest, I can't get away. And God says that's exactly the time when you need to most. And so that's what this series is about. But the enemy doesn't want us to live in that healthy rhythm that God demonstrated and intended for me and you to experience in our lives. And I've come to the, the conclusion that it's really intriguing to me that everyone in this room, once we make the decision, you know, to rest, to pause, we have to work to stop working. We have to work to stop working. It requires tremendous effort to slow down. It's not easy. 
You know, it's not like uh, you, you just kind of tap the brake pedal, the car slows down. It's almost like if you want to slow that car down, you get, you drag your foot, you know, it's like the Fred Flintstone brakes, you know, you just kind of, you got to figure out a way to stop this car because you got no way to do it. And that's kind of how our lives are just moving forward, out of control, moving fast, and we've got to figure out a way to slow it down. It's a fight for peace in your life. You have to be intentional, and it takes strength. It takes strength to rest, not to keep going and going and going. That's easy. It takes more strength than it does to keep going to stop and pause, to rest, to take a break before you break. We need to operate our lives out of a place of rest and peace and not anxiety and stress. You don't get to pick when and where you're going to break down. You know, if you don't stop and yield to God's rhythms, you will break down. God created you to have a rhythm of rest. I was talking with uh, my mom the other day, and I, I held up my phone, and I said, isn't it hard to remember a time before we had these? It's hard to remember what life was like before these became ubiquitous in our society. And did, did you know we used to have to wait to get home to see who tried to reach us? You, you didn't know instantly. Uh, before we walked into the house and we pressed play on the answering machine, you have three new messages, you know, and then this, they, we would hear the messages. Or before those, before you checked the tiny pieces of paper underneath the phone to see who called you and someone else had taken a message for you. Those were really crazy times. Did you know there was a time before you could pause the TV? Who knew? And music? I mean, you couldn't pause the record player. You had to lift the needle off the record and then replace it somewhere close to where you were before, hopefully somewhere in the vicinity. There was a time when the first video game console that really broke through, the Atari 2600, where you couldn't pause a video game. I mean, it's crazy. There was no pause button. When mom called to come and do the dishes, you just walked away and started a new game later. Nothing you could do. Now you can just press pause and come back when you're done. Think about sports. How much has it changed the game uh, of sports, all these games, that you can now throw a flag and say, hold up, I challenge that play. You know, and then they can go back and pause and look closer and wind it back and pause. Pause it again. They can figure out the right call, most of the time, through pausing. That's the beauty of Sabbath. You're able to look back and analyze and review, and you're able to get the call right the next time. Pause has been a game changer. The power of the pause will change the game for us as well. The irony is, the more things in life we can pause, the harder it seems to be able to pause ourselves. Everything seems to become more immediate. Everything has to be done right now. There is no putting things off. If you don't respond to a text message within 10 minutes, they text you again. And then they wonder, did they forget their phone? Are they not getting these? Hello, are you there? And we have this cultural expectation that we will be immediately available all the time. And we're getting more and more stressed out along the way. Stress, by definition, is a response. Stress is a response. It's the way your brain and your body respond to an external demand. And when you get that external stimulus, whatever that may be, you get a response in your body. You got a new job, and you're feeling the pressure of that new job. You got a promotion, and you're certainly happy about the paycheck, but now you feel the additional workload on your life. You were praying for a baby, and now you have one. 
and it won't sleep. Uh, all of us carry something, right? We all carry some stress in some area of our lives, and it's different for each one of us because here's the thing. You can pick your pause, but you don't get to pick your stress. You can pick your pause when and how you stop and you pull back, but you don't get to pick your stress. Life just sends those our way. The weight you carry might be different than what someone else carries, but life is like the airport. Everybody's got baggage. Everyone at the airport has baggage. Why? Because they're going somewhere. They have a destination. They have a destiny to be somewhere. And if you're going somewhere in life, there's a weight that you carry with you. All throughout the Bible, there was a weight that they carried. Moses uh, had the weight of freeing the Israelites. Joshua had the entry into the promised land and the armies that were arrayed against them. Peter had the mission of building the church from nothing. Paul had the mission of keeping the church from going off the rails and making sure that things stayed uh, in the direction that Christ intended. Mary had the weight of knowing her son was going to have to die to redeem humanity. Different weights, but all stressors in their lives. We all carry weights that lead to stress. There's nothing wrong with baggage. It's part of life. But just like the airport, it will cost you if your baggage weighs too much. It's going to cost you if your baggage weighs too much. Weight always costs you something. Been there? Uh, now, Melissa is a very responsible packer. In other words, she feels responsible to make sure that no one needs anything at any time that we didn't bring with us. She brings everything. Her suitcase is like Mary Poppins' handbag. I mean, you could just keep reaching in and pulling stuff out, and it never stops. Everything It comes with having seven kids, you know? I mean, moms, you can relate. Um, so when we get up to weigh the bags for a trip somewhere, it might have happened on a few occasions where it rings up higher than the allowed weight. Maybe once in a while. So what did we have to do? Right there in front of God and man, we open her bag, we open mine, we open the kids' duffel bags, we open their carry-on backpacks, and we rearrange everything. Okay, put that in there, put that in there. And we're doing like scientific calculations in our head, trying to figure this out, right? And, and we do all that until we're at or below the required weight. And did you ever stop to think, wait a minute, wait a minute, see what I did there? Um, aren't all these bags going on the same plane? I mean, come on, people. Can't you just add them up together and call it good? Average it out. We're fine. Things in life that don't make sense, they add to my stress. So as we talk about the stress of rest, I want you to stop and think for a second this morning and ask yourself, what am I carrying? What is my baggage? What is my weight? What is the weight I carry around that could lead me into unhealthy rhythms in my life? What am I stressed about? And better question... Am I even supposed to be carrying it? Sometimes the stress we carry isn't even our own stress. It's the stress of someone else that we've taken on. Maybe some of you are in a season right now where you're carrying someone else's stress. Something they're going through, something you feel this responsibility to help them figure it out or, or carry for them. Are you even supposed to be carrying the weight you're carrying right now, or does it belong to someone else? See, there's two types of stress in our lives. There's acute stress. You know, and acute stress, I'll describe this way. You see a bobcat, and you think, maybe I should pick up the pace and get to the car. That's acute stress. It hits you in the moment. It gives you the energy you need to run faster than you've ever run before and slam the door behind you okay, before you get eaten. Um, and then there's chronic stress. 
Chronic stress is very different. Chronic stress is this, that for the rest of your life, you're thinking that there's a bobcat always waiting to jump out and grab you. And it never goes away. It's always there like a hum in the background. This is the stress that will kill you. Chronic stress is never healthy. Stress comes from fear. What is fear? Fear is faith that the negative will happen. Fear is faith that the negative will happen. We all carry fear. You know why? Because we're sheep. We are sheep. The Bible calls us sheep, and sheep need a shepherd. The power of Psalm 23 is that David is admitting that he is a sheep. Before we can even dive into the beauty and the poetry of the 23rd Psalm, and even before we can get to the redemptive truth that God is our shepherd, we've got to start with David. By writing this psalm, David is standing up and proclaiming, guess what? I'm a sheep, y'all. That's who I am. David, the dude that defeated a giant named Goliath, who slung a stone and knocked that giant to the ground, was that enough? No. He grabbed the sword, walked over and decapitated that giant, then hoisted the head and sent the opposing army running. That dude. He's proclaiming unashamedly that he is a sheep. I'm vulnerable. I'm weak. I'm a shepherd by trade, but I'm a sheep by nature. And that's the position from which he wrote the 23rd Psalm. You will never be able to tap into the wonder of God being your shepherd until you first acknowledge that you are a sheep. You can't step into the beauty of knowing that God will guide and lead you until you first make that fundamental admission from a place of humility that I'm a sheep and I need help. The frailty of humanity is the truth that every one of us, we're all sheep. We're all broken. We all have weakness. We're all vulnerable. We all struggle. We all need a shepherd. And as a sheep, there is no rest without a shepherd. As a sheep, there is no rest without a shepherd. Sheep have no natural defenses. They don't have fangs. They don't have claws. If you ever see a sheep with fangs or claws, run. Uh, They are easily scared, and sheep are prone to wander. They drift. They wander. You you know, you you hear preachers talk about sheep, and they'll, they'll mistakenly say sheep are stupid. They're really not stupid animals. Sheep aren't stupid. They're actually intelligent. They just know their limitations. They've got wisdom. They, they are afraid regularly. They are skittish creatures, and they will run, and they, because they know I have no defenses. And, they'll, and the other reason that people assume they're stupid is because they wander. They just go. They don't pay attention to where they are. They just walk. And they end up way off from where they're supposed to be. They don't know where home is. They need to be guided. Hey, 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 you live here. Oh, really? I didn't know. I mean, this is kind of the sheep mindset. That's why in life we need to be compassionate when we run into what the Bible describes as lost sheep. Because they don't know where home is. And they're wandering. They're searching. And that's why when Jesus looked out and he saw these people that needed him, he said he had compassion on them because what were they like? They were like sheep without a shepherd. David is admitting that he's a sheep. I have to be guided and I have to be led by the shepherd because on my own, I don't know where to go. I don't know how to provide. I don't know how to keep myself safe. And when we look at Psalm 23, one of the most famous passages in the Bible, we think of comfort, right? It's used at at funerals, it's used in times of mourning, it's used in times of loss. And we want to be comforted 
by Psalm 23. But Psalm 23 can't comfort you until it first insults you and lets you know that you're incapable. You're a sheep. You have to be guided. The psalm was written out of the revelation that I am the sheep and he is the shepherd. See, we love to think about God as our shepherd, but we don't always get to the point, make the connection, that oh, that makes me a sheep. We like to think that the 23rd Psalm is all about us. Look at all the things that's being done for me. But if you really look at it, the 23rd Psalm is so heavily weighted on the part of the shepherd, on his role. Do you ever stop to think that he's the one who does all the work in this psalm? He leads me. He prepares a table. It's for his name's sake. He anoints my head with oil. He leads me in paths of righteousness. The 23rd Psalm is all about the shepherd. Which brings me to something that really hit me from this passage. Something that confused me a little bit. I had to work out. Something that made me stop and go, hmm. Uh, in the middle of all the work the shepherd is doing here to provide and protect his sheep, we get to verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And that emphasis is what got me going. You'd think that if the shepherd led me to a nice, lush, green pasture, right, he wouldn't have to make me lie down. If you found yourself in that kind of environment, you'd think as a sheep, you'd be like, oh, yeah, this is the place. I'm just going to chill here for a little while. And lay down. Why does the shepherd make us lie down? That's like me saying, oh, I didn't want to drink that super smooth and flavorful cup of coffee. Melissa made me drink that delicious cup of coffee. No, I'm going to want that. Why did the shepherd have to make you lie down? Real life example for you. Why do I have to force my second youngest child, Zion, to go to bed every night? The thing that would bring him rest and health, he fights me about it every night. Every night. It's like World War III in the Cossack household when it's time for Zion to go to bed. He's getting better. He's learning. It doesn't take as long anymore. But there was a time when you would mention bedtime that he would collapse to the ground in self-perceived agony and ask, why are you torturing me? He's used those words before. He gets stressed when it starts to get dark outside, and he knows it's coming. He'll try to get us busy. You know, look over here so you don't think about bedtime. Um, and he's as tired as I'll get out. I mean, he's asleep. He's exhausted. He's, he's the walking sleep, and he's constantly fighting the rest. And this is the part of stress of rest. We're constantly fighting the thing that the shepherd is trying to get us to do. The thing he knows is best for us, and we fight it, and we push back against it, and we resist. Because everything your soul needs, you have the natural tendency to reject. That's our flesh. That's our sinful nature. And when we tell Zion it's time to brush his teeth and get in bed, why, why, why? You know how I answer that question? The line every parent hated when they were growing up and inevitably find ourselves using it now because the roles are reversed. Because I said so. You have to go to bed because I said so. You know what I don't tell Zion in that moment? 
Well, here's the thing, kiddo. There is REM sleep, which stands for rapid eye movement, and there is non-REM sleep. And you need to be sleeping for a certain period of time to experience the proper amount of REM sleep cycles throughout the course of the night. Because if you don't get enough REM sleep, your body isn't going to get the rest that it needs. And there's a chemical in your body called cortisol, which is known as the stress hormone. And if your body doesn't get the appropriate amount of rest, the cortisol level doesn't decrease the way it should, but in fact increases, leading to an increase. No, I don't tell him that. It might work. <laughs> but he's five. He can't, maybe he's getting to the point where he can comprehend that. He's a pretty bright kid. But he couldn't comprehend that before. There's a massive gap between my level of intellect and understanding and his as a toddler, as a pre-K. So for me to explain the process of sleep and restoration would be way beyond him. So what he needs to do is trust me, trust that I'm his father and I have his best interests in mind and he needs to be okay that when I give the command to go to bed, even though I didn't give him an explanation, because he wouldn't have even been able to comprehend the explanation of what was really happening. He needs to trust that when I tell him to do something, it's for his own good. And most of you are already there but the gap between my intellect and understanding and Zion's isn't even close to the gap between us and God. Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is infinite. We are way finite. And even though we know this, we're still waiting for God to give us an explanation. You want me to do that, God? Why? But God is waiting for you to trust him, that if he told you to rest, it's in your best interest. Don't wait for the explanation, but trust that if God gave you the command, there is rest on the other side. In some ways, rest isn't spelled R-E-S-T, it's spelled T-R-U-S-T. That's trust for those of you that are lagging. Because your ability to rest is directly linked to your ability to trust God. Your ability to rest is directly linked to your ability to trust God. Why am I so stressed all the time? Because you don't trust. If you trusted, you will know that Romans 8.28 says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He's working for you. He's leading you, and he will make you lie down in green pastures if you're unwilling to do it on your own. Rest in what the shepherd has for you because it's good. Now close your eyes for a second, please. Everybody in the room, I can see if you're cheating. Close your eyes for a second. You are now a sheep, okay? And I want you to picture a green pasture where you find yourself. This is your idyllic green pasture. This is, this is the dream, okay? Get the image in your head, everybody? All right, now you can open up your eyes. Now, how many of you, your green pasture looks something like this, Okay? You know, it's, it's, it's beautiful, it's lush, uh, it's just this amazing green pasture, something along those lines. Grass in abundance, maybe a few of your buddies there got everything you need. But here's the problem. This isn't the context from which David wrote this psalm. You want to see the green pastures in Israel where David wrote Psalm 23? Here you go. Those are the green pastures in Israel. I actually took this, this picture when I was in Israel, and this is the valley uh, that is likely where the angels visited the shepherds uh, to announce the birth of Jesus. So this is where they would have raised sheep. It's, it's very rocky. It's very difficult to, to traverse. Uh, there's not nearly as much grass. It's hard to find. Not all of it is edible. And this is in the high growth season of the year. 
Other seasons of the year, you don't see hardly any green at all. Uh, it was a hot, arid land. But here's the key. The sheep had a shepherd. And the shepherd would guide the sheep to the small pockets of grass that would feed them. And even though it wasn't immediately obvious, there was enough there to feed the sheep. They just had to be guided and led to it. The shepherd made sure to lead them to a place where they could be fed. And most of the time, there would only be enough in that area to feed the sheep for that day. And then the shepherd had to lead them further, lead them to a new place. Shepherd would take point and lead them to another area where they could get enough for that day. Do you see where this is going? The sheep had to continually trust the shepherd for each day. But this is how we want our green pastures to be. We want this. We want God to lead us to these green pastures, and we get there, and now we can be like, well, God, thanks, but I'm good now. I mean, I'll, I'll, we, I just want to roll around here for a while, eat all the grass I can, and, and we dismiss God because we say, I've got everything I need. But that's not how... The shepherd works. He wants us to trust him for every step of every single day. He wants us to trust him in the middle of what looks like wilderness, where it looks barren, where things look bleak. And he will lead us to green pastures. He will provide for us every time. Matthew 6.11 says, give us today the food we need. Give us this day our daily bread. God wants us to trust him for today, every day. And God will give us what we need. God will provide. It may not be extravagant, but it will always be sufficient. When God provides, it may not be extravagant, but it will always be sufficient. And it causes us to continually trust in him for every page of our story. Job 31, I love this, this section here. Job says, have I put my trust in money or felt secure because of my gold? Have I gloated about my wealth and all that I own? If so, I should be punished by the judges, for it would mean I had denied the God of heaven. When we trust in what we have, we are denying the one who provided it, and we're denying the one who leads us through every day. And we can trust God. We can look to God to provide, to provide our rest, our food, our needs. The Bible is full of testimonies to God's faithfulness and our need to trust him. Isaiah 12, see, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has given me victory. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Philippians, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And Mark 5, but Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Just keep trusting. Jairus had been given a bad report, but when we trust the shepherd, he will be faithful and lead us to where we need to go, and he is working for our good. It may look like wilderness, but the shepherd knows what we need, and he will provide always. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He gives us the rest we need. I started studying this. And sheep will not lie down and rest if there are three things that are not taken care of uh, in their lives. They will not lie down if there's friction between them and another sheep, if there's conflict amongst the herd. Uh, sheep are competitive. They butt heads over food, over resources, over territory, over mating. And they don't think that the shepherd in his wisdom would lead them to a place where there would be enough for everyone. 
They just look at themselves and, and they, their competitive juices start flowing. They're like, no, 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 that's mine. You can't have that because I need mine. And so they compare themselves with other sheep in their herd. They compare themselves to sheep in other flocks as well. Hey, what do they got over there? Why don't we have that? And instead of helping one another, they knock each other down to make sure they get what they want. And guys, we need to make sure we're not looking at other followers of Jesus as competition or playing the comparison game. Because we're all part of the same flock, and we all have the same shepherd, and he's working for all of our good. And you will never experience rest as long as that competition anxiety is there. Sheep also won't lie down if there are flies or parasites. Flies can get up actually inside the sheep's nose and irritate them to the point where they bang their head against a rock to try to get it out. You ever had someone get all up in your nose? It's not an expression, but it really should be. Um, and irritate you like that? Where you get so stressed out that you can't even sleep? Take it to the shepherd. Parasites can also keep the sheep from resting where the parasites are on them, but they're not contributing to them in any way. We've got some of those people in our lives, don't we? Just taking, 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 and it leads to unrest and stress. Take it to the shepherd. And the last one, and possibly the most devastating and the most deadly, sheep will not lie down if they are afraid, if they have fear, which is hard because sheep are afraid of everything. You toss a, a bunny into the middle of a herd of sheep, boom, they're gone. Um, we're not far off. I mean, some sheep are even afraid when they get to the green pasture, Right? Uh, just like some of you, you're afraid and you're in a season of blessing right now and yet you're living in fear. You have everything you need, but the enemy is in your ear saying, this won't last. You could lose everything. And you stop being a blessing to others and you cling to what you have and you live in stress because you're afraid. Sheep also fear predators that follow behind them and they're following where the shepherd is leading, but they have this nagging fear that something is coming up behind them. Chronic stress. Faith that the negative will happen. And they have to trust that the shepherd not only will lead them where they need to go, but he'll also have their back. And he does. Psalm 32, for you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Surround, protected on every side. Because we can't follow where God is leading if we're focused on what is behind we can't follow where God is leading if we're focused on what is behind. Sheep don't have that kind of neck. They're not giraffes, you know, that they could just turn around. They want to see what is back there. They turn around to see. And now they miss out on where the shepherd's leading them. And they've taken their eyes off the shepherd to focus on what is behind. And how many of us take our eyes off Jesus to focus on our past? Something from the past calls our name. We get reminded and we turn right around and we shift our focus and we begin to wander because that's what sheep do. And we get off the path. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Trust him. And we do that through the pause, through Sabbath, by refocusing on him. Because when we do, fear, gone. Stress vanishes. And he will provide all of our needs according to his riches in glory. And then rest, Sabbath, pause. He restores our soul. We will find rest for our souls. Some of you need a soul restoration to take place. 
You've been stressed. You've been living with fear, fear of the past, fear of the future, even fear of what could happen today. And it's preventing you from truly experiencing God's rest. And what you're experiencing is natural because we're sheep. And sheep need the shepherd. Let's look to God this morning. The good shepherd is here to meet you, to find you if you've wandered, to provide for you if you're in need, to sing over you and comfort you if you're afraid. Everything we need, we find in the shepherd of our souls. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Praise you, Lord. God, we come to you this morning, and we're so thankful that you are the good shepherd. You are leading us. You're watching over us. You're protecting us. You're providing for us. But God, all of that has to be predicated by our admission that we need you, that we're sheep, that we're weak and we're vulnerable. And Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to kind of get to that place this morning if we've not been there of saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. And Lord, for those who maybe are, are, are living in fear right now or have one of those other distractions that's preventing us from laying down and experience that rest that you want us to have, God, I pray that you would speak words of healing and hope into their lives and peace, God, that they might begin that process of turning that all over to you, of talking to the shepherd and saying, God, this is yours, and I trust you. I trust you maybe in a way I, I've never trusted you in my life because I've said I trusted you, but then by my thoughts and my actions, I've demonstrated the complete opposite. Lord, speak to us today and help us to live into that trust. And God, as we do, would you provide us with the rest we need? A rest from stress. A rest from conflict, a rest from fear and worry and doubt and confusion. And God, we would have clear direction from you that you are leading and guiding us every step of every day. We thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' incredible name we pray. Amen. Amen.